0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. (coughs) Come on in, fam. Find a seat, find a place. Find a front row. Thank you, front row. I love you extra. So this morning we had, we had such a party in the prayer group, and I don't even want to say party because it felt holy, <laughs> but you can have holy parties. <laughs> such a beautiful time, glad to have uh, such a big team today. It always feels fun to have more of the family. Um, and I just want to say, this weekend I was in, I was in Detroit <laughs> just visiting my sisters from Canada, surprised me by coming up for for my birthday and I just about had a heart attack because I was not expecting it at all, it was epic. I was crying, laughing, all the things. Um, Part of our time in Detroit, we were taking, I don't know what you call the, it wasn't a bus, is it a tram? I don't know what you call it. The Q line. The Q line, thank you, Julie. (laughs) And uh, on our way from the the Fisher building back to where we were, at all the stops, more and more people were coming on to the point where you thought, I don't know if you can squeeze one more person on this queue line. (laughs) And this sweet old man comes on and, uh, I mean, we're pretty close at this point because there's nowhere to go. And he says, you know, I know it gets a little crazy and most of the time it's not like this, but when there's a a game going on or an event, you know, it's just so many people. And, uh, he was like, but I want you to know you visitors are welcome here because you know, you're part of Detroit too. (laughs) Welcome to Detroit. And I was just like, wow this is beautiful here you are your face is crammed against the glass almost and you're being so hospitable um but the thing that i loved about that was it was an extension of family he was saying you're part of the family you're part of the detroit and this experience in this city would be the same without all the visitors and so in the words of george from q line from the q line you are part of radiant whether you're visiting the first time Whether you are, uh, been here for 10 years or however long this particular house has been going on, you are part of the family, you are part of the experience. And with that said, somebody come join us at the front because it's a little lonely when we don't have you. I'm being for real, Mama Margaret, you're laughing, but we're gonna get you over here. (laughs) Come on, come on down. Lord, I thank you for your family. I thank you for the joy of getting to do life. With different pixels of your face, God, all of us bring something a little bit unique. And the Lord notices when one of us isn't here, and we notice it too. And so, Father, I thank you for the gift of getting to behold your presence together. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: today. He's moving and working, even though you can't see it or feel it. He's moving and working, so let's declare it today, even when we don't see it. Even when
1: I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop.
3: different homes and given up by five different sets of parents before he was brought into his forever home. These two sons are only a year apart in age, and they've both been in the same house, the same mother, the same father, loving them. The son that was born into their house is doing really well, and they're both doing really well. Every kid has different struggles. But the greatest struggle for the son that was adopted is believing that his parents really love him. And when you don't believe and really know that you are loved, the love extended to you isn't a love that you receive and it doesn't become a light, a love that becomes a foundation that you can build upon. It doesn't become a security and a comfort to you. The love can be there, but you can not believe it's it's there and you cannot receive it We all are adopted into the family of God. And every single one of us have been a part of families before this. And one of the hardest things for us to believe is that we are really, truly, and fully loved. And so many of us spend our entire life in Christ without a foundation to build on, without any sense of security, without any comfort, without any faith, without any trust in God and really being able to submit ourselves to him, knowing that his ways are good for us and believing that he's for us and believing that he's working things out for us because we can't believe that we're really loved by him. His love is there. He does love you. But unless something happens in your mind to be able to believe that and to receive that, you won't receive the full benefits of it. His love is too precious of a gift to waste. So what I want you to do is I want you to take a couple of minutes. and I want you to ask the Lord to do two things. Number one, to cause something to happen in your mind to believe that He loves you. And then number two, and why you'd ask Him to show you more how great His love is for you. Let's take a couple of minutes with the Lord. Let's ask Him those things. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for demonstrating your love in the cross. Lord, I ask that over every single one of us, you continue to convict us of a love that goes beyond the cross. and continues into every moment of our lives. And that love is stirring up security in our own lives, knowing that we can trust you, knowing that we're not overlooked, that we're not forgotten, that you haven't failed us. Lord, that that love is stirring up joy and peace inside of our hearts. Lord, that that love is leading the transformation inside of our minds in every area. And Lord, that your love for us is causing our hearts to love you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. It is so good to be here with you today. Radiant kids, you are dismissed. In the back uh, by the entryway, our room leaders are back there and they will take you to your rooms. And parents, you can pick up your kids uh, after service lets out. A Couple of announcements real quick. I'm at my group leaders that still have the open groups. I'm gonna have you come up here so we can uh, make a seamless transition there. Uh, but first, Easter service is coming up we are in march now march 31st is easter and so here's what we're going to be doing is we were actually debating and hemming and hawing and trying to think the best way to do this and we are going to do a family service for easter uh, we do that for christmas and it's a beautiful service that we have with all the family together and we thought why on earth do don't, don't, don't we do that for easter too we may find out after this year why we don't do that but <laughs> We are going to have a family service with all the kids in here with us, and we're gonna have busy bags for them. So for some of the younger ones that struggle a little bit with listening to me, I get it, some older ones that struggle with listening to me too, but we'll have some activities for the kids. And as well as we are going to be having baptisms that day. What better day to celebrate the new life that we have in Jesus than Easter Sunday? So if you have not yet been baptized, but you are professing Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or maybe you're like me, Um, I grew up Methodist, and so we got sprinkled when we were like two weeks old. And uh, then as an adult, I made a decision for myself to make a public profession of my faith, and I did that through water baptism. So if you're in one of those categories, we would love to baptize you and celebrate the resurrection of Jesus and all that means for you in your life. So you can sign up for that at radianta2.com under events. You'll be able to sign up for your baptism there, and we'll get a hold of you and get you all the information that you need for that. Now, also going on, starting tomorrow, our groups, our group semester is launching. And a lot of our groups are already full, but we uh, had a couple of groups last week that were talking about theirs. We have a couple more leaders this week who are going to talk about their groups. So uh, Roger and Vicki, go ahead
4: and tell us about your group. Hello? Yeah. Hi, we're the Bergets, Vicki and Roger. We host a small group, at our home on Monday nights from 7 to eight thirty, or people are welcome to stay longer if they like uh, it's listed online as a multi-generational group we've got folks in the group from their 20s up into their 80s but uh, don't let that limit you if you're older or younger you're welcome to just just know that we we don't have any arrangements for child care um, but any, uh, any age is welcome in our group and we really grow and learn from everyone's life experience and outlook on it all. Our typical meetings have a, a time of fellowship and refreshments, a time of worship and praise and prayer, and then uh, just a personal kind of sharing time. Usually it's around uh, some topic. Last fall we were talking about love. This uh, winter, spring, we're talking about grace, and usually uh, there'll be like a Bible verse to uh, get us started. Last week, for example, we had John 1, 14, where it talks about how the word became flesh and dwelt among us full of grace and truth, and people had a chance to share what is God speaking to them through that, or what does that mean to them, or what questions do we have about that? So um, usually we try to end the discussion around 8.30 for those who need to get home and uh, for work the next day and that sort of thing. But we, uh, everyone's welcome to stay longer for more fellowship. And what night and time do you mean? Well, Monday nights, every Monday, from 7 to roughly 8.30. Awesome. Thank you so and much. And we try to keep an update on the website, the event dates, if you, if you want to double check or feel free to contact us, too fantastic thank you Julie.
2: hi I'm Julie Wrights my husband and I he couldn't be here today um, lead a group on Tuesday night so this will start this Tuesday from 7 to 8:30 and we meet here at the church um, but our group is an every other week group so it'll be on this Tuesday and then not next Tuesday and um, so forth so it's every other so we meet you know twice a month but what we're doing this Time is we're doing Hebrews 12, one through two. We're gonna be unpacking that verse about running your race. Um, You probably all know that scripture that we run the race with perseverance, um, casting off the weights. And we're gonna talk about weights and what that means, how to cast that off and fixing what it means to fix our eyes on Jesus. And as I was praying for this group, God really told me that each one of us were made to run the race that we're in. He gave us everything in us to run the race that you're in and so it's just going to be a night of sharing about that verse discussing about that verse and just how we run the race that we're in um, and again that's tuesday nights from um 7 to 8 30 every other week and we just encourage you there's lots of groups uh, be in a group it doesn't have to be ours um but be in a group it's 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 really it's really great we meet here at the church
3: Awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And as you said, you go to radianta2.com under the uh, small groups tab, and you'll be able to see the groups that are still available. I think there's only about four left that have space. So I would encourage you um, join a group. And then we also have a men's and women's group that meet once a month on Saturdays. And so if That's better for your schedule or can't get one that works for you i'd encourage you at least join in on that or join two groups uh that one and a weekly group but you will be blessed by being in an environment where people can know you and where you can know them and you can truly develop love between each other and we all need that to be faithful disciples of jesus well if you have your bibles with you this morning go ahead and turn to luke chapter 2. WE ARE FINISHING UP WHAT ENDED UP uh, BEING A a mini series ON FASTING. IT WAS SUPPOSED TO BE ONE WEEK, BUT FASTING IS JUST SO FUN THAT WE THOUGHT, LET'S TEACH LONGER ON IT. AND uh, THIS ISN'T, IN THESE THREE WEEKS, ALL THERE IS TO KNOW ABOUT FASTING. I DON'T KNOW ALL THERE IS TO KNOW ABOUT FASTING. THERE ARE NO EXPERTS WHEN IT COMES TO FASTING. BUT WE ALL CONTINUE TO GROW TOGETHER IN OUR UNDERSTANDING OF THIS BEAUTIFUL GIFT OF FASTING THAT THE LORD HAS GIVEN TO US. And so just a quick recap from previous weeks is fasting doesn't make you more valuable to God. It makes God and his kingdom more valuable to you. In a lot of uh, ideas and religions, you fast because you're trying to show the God like how serious you are about something, like look at me, take notice of me. That's not how it is with Jesus. His eye already is upon you. He loves you and gave himself for you before you were ever born. You can't make him not love you. You can't make yourself invaluable to him. He, wait, I said that wrong, sorry. You cannot remove your value or make yourself less valuable to him. That's what I should have said. Um, And so we don't fast to try to make ourselves more valuable to God. When we fast, God and his kingdom become more valuable to us. They become more beautiful and we want more of him and we want more of his kingdom then fasting is a vital part of the way God's kingdom comes to this earth. Last week, looking at Isaiah 58, what is it that god wants fasting to produce in us he wants it to produce in us the demonstrations of his kingdom as fasting stirs up a desire inside of us because as we fast and see more of him and his kingdom and it becomes more valuable to us it begins to transform our mind and our hearts begin to be transformed we receive the mind of christ and we receive the heart of jesus and so it leads to us living out justice and mercy and goodness and compassion Part of the way god's kingdom comes to this earth is through we his people who through fasting have a transformation take place in our hearts and in our minds and then uh, what i want to talk about today is that fasting is relational everything in the kingdom of god is relational Uh, we often think of it as i really need god to do something give me healing provision wisdom so i'm going to fast to receive these things the problem with that is that makes fasting transactional so okay i will do this so i can get something else and if i'm not looking to get something i'm not going to fast Uh, that's not the way anything works in the kingdom Everything in the kingdom of God is relational. Going to creation itself, God creates uh, the earth. He creates it as his temple where he dwells with humanity. It's God dwelling with humanity. And he says, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. He wants more people who live in unity with each other and people who live in unity with him, relational all the way through creation. Through the tabernacle and the temple system what is it uh it's god creating a system by which we can encounter his presence that we can have relationship with him when we look at the gift of the holy spirit what is that that's the presence of the living god in us Uh, one of my favorite verses talks about knowing the companionship of the holy spirit That is significant in revealing the heart and the nature of God and what his kingdom is like, that his presence comes to you, that he becomes a companion to you. You learn to dwell with him here and now on this earth. And when we look at Revelation 20 through 22, what we see is Jesus returns, that he creates a new heaven and a new earth where once again, like it was in Eden, God dwells, physically, tangibly with his people forever in perfect unity with him, in perfect unity with each other. Everything in the kingdom of God is relational. And so fasting is too, fasting isn't a means to an end. Fasting is a means to building intimacy with God. And when you take, uh, yeah, yes. (laughs) It took me a long time, it took me a long time before I could say amen to fasting anything. It's like, oh Lord, into your hands I commend my spirit. Like one of those type of moments. It's like, oh, if I really have to, Lord, if you're willing, take this cup from me. But when you begin to understand that fasting is relational and that as you fast, you develop intimacy with him, fasting becomes a delight to you. Fasting becomes something you want to do. I went from being someone who was like, oh, I hate the beginning of every year. I hate January because it's dark, it's cold, it's cloudy, and we always start with a 21-day fast. Like, could it be any worse? I want to move to Florida where it's going to be sunny and warm and I'm just going to eat like crazy. That's my dream. Maybe that's the kingdom of God. But... Like fasting used to be something that was terrible to me and I hated it and I did it because Jesus said, when you fast, I was like, okay, I'll do this. I'll suffer with Christ. But (laughs) fasting has become a delight to me. It was because I began to understand the relational intimacy that you develop with God when you fast. And lastly, fasting is worship. And maybe you've never thought of it this way before. But when you fast, you worship. Worship means you're ascribing worth or value to someone or to something. So when you fast, you're actually worshiping. And this comes from Luke chapter 2, verses 36 through 38. You're probably familiar with Luke 2 from Every Christmas. You know, this is a story that we read. Charlie Brown has like a little episode on Luke chapter 2. So culturally, you're aware of it. But after the birth of Jesus, when they take him to the temple to dedicate him, it says in verse 36, Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Like, that's good, but if you gotta be remembered in scripture, that might not be the thing you want. But her husband died when she had been married only seven years. And then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple. BUT STAYED THERE DAY AND NIGHT WORSHIPPING GOD WITH FASTING AND PRAYER. SHE CAME ALONG JUST AS SIMEON WAS TALKING WITH MARY AND JOSEPH AND SHE BEGAN PRAISING GOD. SHE TALKED ABOUT THE CHILD uh, TO EVERYONE WHO HAD BEEN WAITING EXPECTANTLY FOR GOD TO RESCUE ISRAEL. ANNA IS THIS PROPHETESS WHO we don't know exactly when she got married, but pretty traditionally in that culture, you're getting married in your mid to late teen years. Her husband dies seven years later. So she's probably been a widow for 55, 60 years. And she spent her life in the temple, getting as close to the presence of God as she can possibly get, never leaving the temple. After her husband dies, she devotes herself entirely to ministering to the Lord. And it says that she's worshiping him with fasting and with prayer. Typically we think of worship as you know, what we just did. We start out every service with, uh, we're singing songs to the Lord and I love that. That's my favorite type of worship. I, you know, I'm a musician or I was a musician. And so I just love it. I connect with the Lord through music. And so I, I get excited about that. I absolutely love ministering to the Lord, encountering his presence that happens in a unique way when we're gathered together as the family of God. <clears throat> I absolutely love that. And we're commanded to worship the Lord that way. Sorry, I already lost my voice from the prayer meeting and worship. <clears throat> but there are other ways we worship the Lord as well. Our obedience to his commands is the way we worship. We say, God, you're so worthy to me. You have so much worth that I'm going to submit myself to becoming obedient to every one of your commands believing that every one of them is good, even when I don't feel like it's good or think it's good or understand how this could possibly be good. But you have so much worth to me that I'm going to worship you with my obedience to your commands. Prayer is the way we worship. God, you are so worthy. You're so powerful. You're so beautiful and holy and glorious and majestic that I'm going to spend my time seeking after you developing relationship with you, talking to you, creating time to listen to you. And when I need things, you're the first one that I'm going to. You're the first one that I'm going to trust. When I need provision, I'm asking you because you have more power than any of the gods of our culture, more power than my own ability to provide for myself, more ability than any other person to provide for you. I'm looking to you. You are the one who's worthy of me seeking after and waiting on. We worship God with our prayer. And we worship God with our fasting. And we build intimacy with God through that. Anytime you're worshiping, what you're doing is you are, uh, one of the overflows or the outcomes of worship is you develop more relational intimacy with God. Uh, People often ask me, uh, how do you know God more? How do you develop more love for him? Easy answer, worship him. Your, Your life begins to follow the trajectory of whatever you put your mind to like if you just watch the news all day and you just see every major disaster going on from around the entire world you will be filled with fear and anxiety that will happen you can be the most peaceful got it together person on the face of this earth but if you expose yourself to this day after day it's going to change your life and the trajectory of your life your thoughts your heart all of it will go after what you put yourself into when you worship the lord and this is my story i like i love music but i hated worship I was like, let's get to the preaching and uh, never wanted to be a preacher, but I was like, I I used to bring my Bible, I had a little one that would fit inside the hymnal. And so we'd all stand up to read and I'd like, this is such a waste of time. I'm gonna make better use of my time by reading the word of God. You know what that produced in me? Self-righteousness, judgment. I was the best little Pharisee you have ever met. I could point out to you everything that was wrong in your life and how to fix it in three easy steps. I could teach you how to be like me, a righteous little Pharisee. <laughs> but I became convicted that God had commanded worship. And so I started to worship. I remember, like, okay, I'm going to raise my hands and worship. And I was like, looking around, like at the back, and nobody seemed like, it looked like you're in like fourth grader that has to go to the bathroom in class, and you're like, don't want anybody to see you. You're trying to be discreet about it, but I just began. Okay, this is what the Lord says to do. I'm going to sing. I hate singing, but I'm going to sing because this blesses the Lord somehow. And so I began to do these things. And over time, what happened was as I began to worship, my intimacy with the Lord began to increase. Because you're not going to have greater love for someone who you don't view as worthy. You're not going to have greater love and growing intimacy for someone that you don't see as beautiful. So worship the Lord. It will produce intimacy in you. When you worship, you host him. When we worship, we become more aware of his manifest presence. We become more aware that he isn't just like a God up in heaven somewhere that someday we'll see. He becomes God who is meeting with you. God who in Revelation says he's walking amongst the churches. God who is everywhere at all times. He is all things and he's filling all. You become aware of the presence of God as you worship him. Uh, I BECAME TRANSFORMED BY HIM. AS I CONTINUE TO ENCOUNTER HIS PRESENCE, LIKE, THE BEST THING, IF YOU WANT TO BE TRANSFORMED, ENCOUNTER JESUS, AND HE WILL CHANGE YOUR MIND. AND WHEN HE CHANGES YOUR MIND, HE CHANGES THE WAY THAT YOU LIVE. He, I BEGAN TO HOST HIM, AND BY THAT I MEAN, JUST LIKE IF YOU COME OVER TO MY HOUSE, I'M GOING TO, I'm going to PUT MY FOCUS ON YOU. I'm going to do things, I'm to become aware of your presence with me in everything that I do and it's going to change the way that I actually live. When you begin to uh, become a person of worship, you begin to host his presence everywhere and in everything you do. And so when we fast by extension, we worship him, and as we fast, we build intimacy with God, we host God, and we're transformed by him. One of the primary reasons why we fast is so that we can worship Him. Fasting is relational. It's not transactional. It's not about, okay, I need wisdom, I need healing, I need provision. Fasting at its core is relational. It's about developing relationship with Him. It's about worshiping Him. And as you do that, he transforms your life and so now a uh, few moments left i promise i'd not just do a theology that like whatever but here's some practicals for fasting now for you so you all can start this uh, fasting is abstaining from food for a period of time to put your focus on god and maybe that should have been how i started the series so i actually knew what fasting was before i spent three weeks talking about the theology of it but fasting is abstaining from food for a period of time TO PUT YOUR FOCUS ON HIM NOW FOOD IS AN IMPORTANT PART OF FASTING AND uh, LIKE ONE OF THE THINGS THAT'S HAPPENED that I HAVE EVEN GIVEN INTO BECAUSE uh, IT WAS EASIER FOR ME WAS LIKE I'M JUST GONNA FAST LIKE NETFLIX AND OR like, be LIKE I'M GONNA FAST SOCIAL MEDIA AND I WOULD SAY YOU PROBABLY SHOULD FAST NETFLIX AND SOCIAL MEDIA BUT IN BIBLICAL TIMES THEY DIDN'T CALL THAT FASTING <laughs> LIKE what are you talking about, Netflix and social media and technology? When they talked about fasting, it was always abstaining from some type of food for some period of time. And so can you fast other things? Yeah, you absolutely should. But we also need uh, to incorporate this reduction in our food and, and cutting that out as a part of our putting our focus on Jesus. And now I want to I say that presents two problems for us. Number one is we have an unhealthy relationship with food. Um, I just read this weekend that obesity has now become the number one health threat in the world, finally overtaking starvation. And so we have a really unhealthy relationship with food in our world, that the two greatest causes of death for us and detriments to our health is too much food or not enough food. We either have so much food we're killing ourselves or there's not enough food and our bodies are dying from that. And so already in our culture, there's this weird dynamic that's going on. And then number two is we have real health issues. And a lot of people have talked to me and said, you know, I have, uh, you know, I'm diabetic. How do I fast? Because I have a real health issue. Other people are bringing other physical limitations that they have that make it so they can't just say, I'm not going to eat anything for the next 84 days so I can fast. Um, And then there's also eating disorders are very real, thing in our culture and so uh, if it's like why don't we serve um alcohol with communion because there's a lot of people who are alcoholics and they've been sober and clean and we don't want to be like here like you know have some alcohol and now go out there and be strong and so there are things that we do to make sure that we're going to protect your health as you do that and so be aware, um, you know, and don't bring judgment on people about what they're doing because you don't know what their health issues are. You don't know what their struggles are. And so don't judge yourself for what you can't do. Engage in what you can do. And that's a good way to approach it. And when it comes to my fasting, I'm always really good at judging myself. My I'm, like, well, I'm just not going to do anything. Or like, you miserable person, you don't love Jesus. But just faithfully engage in what it is that you can do. Um, And so make sure that uh, you fast in a way that is affirmed by a community as being healthy for you. We're really good at making everything private. I have my private scripture reading, I have my private prayer time, I have my private fasting, I have my, like all these things. And you should have private time for all of these things, but also should be a part of a community that you're in. At my prayer life is a part of my community life. My scripture reading is a part of my community. My fasting is a part of my community. So, uh, when you're going to fast, have some people who are in deep relationship with you that you can talk to about the type of fasting that you're going to engage in. And allow them to be a check and a balance for you to either be like, uh, You're going to fast watching reels for 12 minutes a day is your fast? Like, I think maybe you can do better than that. <laughs> I don't think you're maybe going to get what you want out of it doing that or someone who's saying like oh You're a diabetic or you have an eating disorder. You should not be engaging in a week-long fast like are you're gonna kill yourself and I've been there because a lot of you know my pancreas issues and you know having lost half my pancreas and half my stomach and some intestines and all sorts of other things It made it so that my first 21-day fast that started after my surgery. I went to the ER like I couldn't do that And I was like, oh, that stinks. And then I, you know, didn't do that fast. And then the next year, same thing. 21-day fast started at day one, back in the ER. (laughs) So by year three of going to the ER, I got a little bit of wisdom and decided, I'm fasting in the wrong way. Like if fasting's killing me, I'm probably doing it wrong. And so I had to modify the way that I was fasting. And so uh, I I can't go long periods of time without food. My actual whole GI tract shuts down and then it's really painful for it to start up. And so I had to keep eating all the time. Like I can't eat fats, I couldn't eat fibers. And so I had like a real specialized diet. So for me, what I did said I have to eat, but I'm gonna take no pleasure in my food. I'm gonna eat plain Cheerios without sugar, disgusting. And I'm gonna eat oatmeal Without milk, sugar, butter, nothing. Absolutely disgusting. It was worse eating than going without food, but I had to for my health. And so that was the way I was able to continue to eat, continue to be healthy, but also able to fast through food by making, Lord, I'm not gonna find joy or pleasure in my eating. I'm putting my focus on finding joy and pleasure in you and in you alone so have a community of people who are walking alongside you that can help you figure out how to fast in a way that is healthy for you and again don't judge yourself for what you can't do faithfully engage in what you can do and then once you've figured out what you can do create a weekly rhythm of fasting now if the goal of fasting is worship If the goal of fasting is beholding him and developing intimacy with him then fasting every now and then or like you know once a year for three weeks that isn't going to do it imagine if you're going to try to develop intimacy with a human by spending like three days with them one time a year no, Like, if you want a healthy relationship with your friends, with a spouse, with your brother, sister, whatever it is, it requires that there's regular contact, there's regular interactions that you're having. And so I would say that uh, we often think of like these people are doing like 40 day fast like Jesus, and that's the goal that we should be going after. That's the kind of fast that's gonna produce something good. We're doing these 21 day fasts. No, that really isn't the goal. What we need is a weekly rhythm for fasting, a weekly time where we're cutting out food from our life and putting our focus and our attention on him. We're cutting out everything else. And I think these other things need to be a part of fasting, like cut out all the distractions, cut out everything else. So you have a period of time every week where you're just focused on developing relationship and intimacy with him. You don't need a three-day fast to do that. You don't need a one-week fast to do that. Uh, you can just have once a week, cut out one meal. I'm gonna spend my lunchtime, I'm blocking off the office, whatever it is, and I'm gonna spend you know, my lunchtime with the Lord. I'm gonna skip that time of eating. I'm not gonna like watch my phone during lunch or whatever else. Like, I'm just gonna put my heart on him and developing intimacy with him. Maybe it's your You know, finding like from sun up to sundown once a week uh you know whatever it is like find something that's going to work for you but have a weekly time where you are developing that intimacy with the lord beholding him he and his kingdom are becoming more valuable to you you're being transformed by him his kingdom's coming in your life because you're purposely weekly taking these times to fast so create a schedule and also respond to invitations. We schedule the things that are priorities to us. So, schedule your weekly fast. Uh, in the early church, the practice was commonly they fasted Wednesdays and Fridays. They had a schedule that they were following after. Um, so, create a schedule in your week of this is the time I'm fasting. I'm saying no to food. I'm saying no to Facebook. I'm saying no to TikTok. I'm saying no to whatever else because I want to put my focus on the Lord and in ministering to Him, developing a relationship with Him. But also, respond to his invitation there will be times where you hear the lord ask you to develop greater intimacy with him through fasting and maybe it's you know i already did my fast this week but i just really feel the lord calling me to to cut out breakfast this week and spend time with him or skip this dinner and spend time with him whatever it may be maybe he is asking you to do a a two-day a three-day fast something like that a 21-day fast eating vegetables or whatever it may be but have a priority in scheduling out your weekly fasting but then also listen to his invitation and i'll say this when he invites you into something it's going to be good so respond to his invitation and when you fast You will worship him, you will hear his voice, you will develop intimacy with him, and you will see his kingdom come and his will being done in you. So here's how I fast, and then we'll end. One morning a week, I have no breakfast. So, you know, I have dinner the night before, and then I sleep. Sleeping's a really good thing to do when you're fasting. (laughs) But, and then I'll have breakfast. Well, I won't, I won't have breakfast. And what I'll do is I'll, I'll spend time with the Lord there. I don't have my phone. I just, I just have time with him. And when you wake up, you know, after night, you're like, you're hungry. That's your first, at least me, I wake up and it's like lions fighting inside of my stomach. They're just roaring and like they want food bad. Now, I don't need food. I absolutely in no way medically do I need to eat at that moment when I wake up. Anytime I have to do labs, I have to fast longer than that just to get my blood drawn. But... Like psychologically and like how I've been trained is I wake up and I'm hungry. And I take that time to say, no, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And I'm gonna say no to this physical desire I have so that I can put my time and my effort and my attention and my priority on him. I start out by reading scripture. Uh, This week, um, I read uh, through the Sermon on the Mount and I read through it slowly. And i read to hear his voice i read to hear what he was going to say to me through that i stopped slowly and really pondered and thought about i meditated on some of the different passages and some of the different things jesus was saying i prayed about that i spent some time praying as i was meditating lord work this in my heart jesus let your kingdom come and will be done in this area in my life jesus i want your commands to become the way that i live my life I spent some time as I'm, I'm worshiping. I was putting on some music, uh, like put on some headphones so that like, nobody else has to hear me and I feel more comfortable singing when I don't hear myself and I don't know everybody else can hear me. So, but it was just this time of worshiping the Lord and ministering to him and I just became more aware of his goodness and his presence in my life. Um, and so that's like just that weekly time and, and I really love it and I'm, I'm learning to cherish it more and more and sometimes the lord will have me skip lunch too and and sometimes i'll you know it just kind of depends i i have a schedule i've prioritized fasting in my week but then i also respond to his invitation and all of you are thinking like that doesn't sound that hard to to fast like that it really isn't it really isn't that hard and it's not going to medically mess me up uh but it's what works for me and it's producing something really beautiful in my life and in my relationship with him. And then I uh, schedule a, a getaway, um, like a fasting and prayer time. And uh, like my job, I'm really grateful for the job that I have and it makes it so I can do things like that. I'm really grateful for my wife who watches our three crazy kids while I'm out spending time with the Lord. Well, just getting away for a couple of days AND I'LL GO OUT IN NATURE AND I'll, I'LL WALK ON BEAUTIFUL TRAILS AND I'LL JUST SPEND TIME IN SILENCE WITH THE LORD AND LISTENING TO HIM AND uh, WORSHIPPING HIM, ASKING HIM QUESTIONS, LISTENING TO WHAT IT IS THAT HE HAS TO SAY TO ME. And SO I'LL HAVE kind of THE TWO SCHEDULE THINGS. IT'S THE WEEKLY SCHEDULE. I HAVE A YEARLY SCHEDULE TO GET AWAY. BUT THEN I ALSO I KEEP MY EAR ATTUNED TO HIS VOICE AND TO WHAT HIS INVITATION IS FOR ME. And Some of the most powerful moments and the most life-changing moments in my life and the things that I hear from him come as a result in my time of fasting. I'm not going into it seeking anything other than his presence. I don't go into a fast looking for anything more, any other reward than beholding him and seeing his beauty and his glory and him becoming more valuable to me. I'm going into it just wanting more of him and to develop relationship with him. But he's so good that wherever his presence is, he comes and he brings transformation. My life is different and is changed and my discipleship towards Jesus is changed because I've learned and I'm learning and growing in how it is that I worship him with fasting. And this really is something that the Lord's called all of his people to. We are all called to fast. There's some things the Lord says, when you pray. Now, I you know what that means? That means all of his people are expected to pray. Part of being a disciple of Jesus means we pray. What else does he say? When you give. That means that all of us who are a part of God's family, we are all called to the ministry of giving. It says that when you fast, meaning that every single one of us, if you are a Christian, there's a high and a holy call. And really it's a beautiful gift that God has given us in fasting. And it will produce intimacy in your life with him. And it will produce kingdom change in the way that you think and the way that you see the world. The way that you see him the way that you see yourself it will all be changed as you carve out these periods of time to say no to your stomach and all of the fleshly desires We're really like our stomach is a great symbol of all of our fleshly desires and the strength and the power of them over us but we say no to all of that because we recognize that life and the fullness of life is found in him life is knowing jesus And when you fast, you develop intimacy with him in a special way that you won't develop any other way. So I can't encourage you enough. Fast with a community of people, find a way that you can fast that's healthy for you. With the direction of the Holy Spirit, find a way you can fast that is healthy for you. Schedule that, make that a part of your weekly rhythm and then learn to keep your ear open to hear his invitation to you. And as you do that, here's what I can't promise you. I can't promise you you're going to get that thing that you need in your life. I can't promise you you're going to be healed. I can't answer you that this or that thing is going to happen for you. What I can promise you is you will find him. And what you discover is he's all you need and every one of your desires is ultimately satisfied and fulfilled in him. Jesus, teach us to fast. You fasted, you modeled fasting, you commanded us to fast. We know that every one of your commands is for our good and it produces health and it produces something beautiful in us. So, Lord, we ask for your voice and how you're asking us to worship you with fasting, that you would give us your wisdom and your desire in that weekly rhythm that you're calling us to enter into and engage with. And, Lord, I pray for faith in us to believe that as we worship you with fasting, we will find you and that we will develop intimacy with you that our lives will be transformed. We will become more like Jesus as we fast. And Lord, I pray for perseverance in us. But I think of all of the years of fasting that I went through doing it wrong before I experienced the breakthrough and understanding in it. Lord, give us the perseverance to to just continue on in learning how to fast and learning how to minister to you through fasting until we find the reward that is you. Do that in this body, we pray, Lord, not just for ourselves, Lord, over a Radiant Church. Lord, would you develop us into a people who worship you with fasting and see the reward of your presence and intimacy with you increasing in this house and your kingdom coming. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. You excited to do some fasting? Couple. I wasn't either for a long time. But this is is gold and you will see a reward for it well hey we're at the end of our service and now what we do is we break up into prayer groups and this is something that is really beautiful too and you're not obviously this isn't mandatory ushers aren't locking the doors keeping you in but a part of the church is we are the ministers of god we are the priest of god and part of what we do is we minister to each other through our prayers and so this is the most normal thing that should be happening in any church is that we love each other we encourage each other and we minister to each other and pray for each other and we've seen god do just absolutely incredible things through our groups of people just gathering together with people around you and loving each other and praying and standing with each other so if there's any need that you have in your life nothing's too small and nothing's too big for the lord uh, share that with someone that's that near you as you get into groups and then also recognize that the lord has given you gifts THAT ARE FOR MINISTERING TO OTHER PEOPLE, AND THERE ARE WAYS THAT THE LORD WILL USE YOU TO ENCOURAGE AND TO PRAY FOR OTHERS IN WHAT THEY'RE GOING THROUGH THAT ARE REALLY AN EXTENSION OF JESUS HIMSELF MINISTERING TO THAT PERSON. SO YOU ARE A PRIEST. You are someone who does partner with Jesus. The Holy Spirit is in you, and the Holy Spirit has given you gifts so that you can use them for the building and the strengthening of the church body. We need Jesus, and we need each other. So I can't encourage you enough. Grow in praying together. Um, So we'll gather in groups, like four, six, eight people. Love each other, pray with each other, grab some coffee, and we will see you next week. Love you all. God bless. Let's pray.